You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Big moment right here. Fans can sense it. Yeah, baby! Fly ball to deep right field! This game is tied in a long way! Into the second deck, Bryce Harper! He's just lifted the lid off the yard! It's a 6-6 game! You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Get some highlights right here with the trip back to the dugout, that's for sure. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Butters go. 3-2 is hit in the air to right field. It's got out. beautifully. It is over! Three-run home run for Bryson Stott. The prayers have been answered. The Phillies have won it here in the bottom of the ninth inning. They win it 9-7. to seven. The Vegas Connect has tied it and won it. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney. Joining you here June 6th on a victorious Monday after the Philadelphia Phillies have swept the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, who have lost 11 straight. Uh, shout out to Mike Trout and the boys for coming to this city and reinvigorating this franchise and this organization. Phillies have new life and they have a new manager. So we will get into all of it right now, right here, right now. On the Hot Take Hotbox again, my name is Matt McSweeney. Thank you for joining me. The Phillies have swept the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They are they are winners of four straight, and they win yesterday's game in spectacular, dramatic fashion in which you just heard played in to the beginning of this podcast. So let's start at the beginning, shall we? Phillies were sinking like a lead fucking balloon. Okay, they We all saw it. We all know what, what I'm talking about. They get swept by the Mets, three straight. And in a series where we talked about they needed to win a few, you know, maybe two, they at least one not get swept. And they, they were swept and relatively not competitive in most of these games, even though the scores were close. It just the life, the energy, the just all of that played a huge factor in a lot of our losses, it seemed like, this season, where we just and Ricky Batalco made a comment on the post-game show yesterday where the Angels are kind of in the same spot that the Phillies were in maybe a few weeks ago where they are just waiting to lose games. They're figuring even if you have the lead, you're up in a certain, at a certain point in the game, you know eventually something's going to happen, something's not going to go your way, and you're just waiting for a different way or an interesting, intricate, unique way to lose these certain games. And... The Phillies yesterday, or just the Phillies since the, the managerial change, have not been like that. Before that, though, they absolutely were. I mean, you look at the Giants series, that, that was a series where they were absolutely creating interesting and inventive ways to lose games. I'm not going to go through all of it because it's in the past. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Home runs and extra. They lost two games in extra innings in that series. Uh, Roman Quinn was coming into the game, I believe, three straight consecutive games. 
entering the game for Castellanos for a various amount of reasons, whether that be for defensive or for his speed on the base pass, which they took him. They, I believe the second game of the of the Giant series, they took out Castellanos uh, going into the tenth inning, put Roman Quinn in. Boom! It might have been the first game. Boom! Hit him home, and then no, it really doesn't matter, right? But one of those games, then Bryce Harper comes up to the plate and they walk him. And it would have been Castellanos up with the bases loaded. I believe we were down by three. Now we have Roman Quinn up at the plate. And, and I, I mean, he put up a somewhat competitive at-bat for a Roman Quinn. But eventually, all you got to do is throw a slider around his knees. A, a nice dirt ball. And he takes a seat. He gets DFA'd. Thanks for coming. Designated for assignment. Roman Quinn's done. That experiment's done. And then there was the, the Jock Peterson game where they chose the pitch to Jock Peterson. And he hits a nuclear dick missile into right field. In the 11th inning, thanks for coming. This is that this is that Roman Quinn game where they, they put him in and, you know, he saved the day and whatnot. And then they, they came up the next inning and blah, yada, 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 yada. So the Phillies were showing a minor amount of fight in these games. But it, it was, you know, obviously, like I just said, they were finding ways to lose. Again and again and again, they were just no life, no energy. I, as a fan, had no life, no energy, no belief, no nothing. They had beaten me down so many times. I mean, I, I point to examples like that Mets game earlier in the season, uh, the Rockies game earlier in the season where they were on the road and they had a lead and uh, Dominguez was in in the inning. He, he had 0-2, two outs, no one on, and eventually I think C.J. Crone gets up to the plate and hits a fucking Mac Daddy bomb in the left field. We lose that game. We were just, like I said, Finding ways to lose the game, no matter what, and it was like a plague that was was take had taken over this team. And at the end of the day, at a certain point, it comes down to your manager. Now, I thought the Phillies had they gotten swept by the Giants, were going to make a move. We all, uh, I'm no different from any anyone else out there, was clamoring for Joe Girardi to be fired. Joe Girardi, his contract was up at the end of the season anyway. And he was doing nothing to positively affect any outcome for the Philadelphia Phillies. He was doing nothing but, absolutely nothing but hurting the team. I didn't see, in my mind, a down a downfall to keeping him or to to getting rid of him. And I didn't see the positive in keeping him around. He was not. He, there was no positive in my mind. He was not helping the franchise. He was not helping the team. He was just there, and it's kind of. How I felt about Gabe Kapler at a certain point. Like, I was a big Gabe Kapler fan. Hey, I was the president of the Gabe Kapler fan club at a certain point uh, during his time here in Philadelphia. I loved Gabe Kapler. I thought he was a good manager. I really did. But at a certain point, I don't know if it's these guys get beaten down or if it's just from the, the players get tired of hearing a voice where there's no effect or, or on the outcome or whatnot. But it just felt to me like Gabe Kapler wasn't making a difference. He was not positively affecting any of the outcomes, and I may even have wound up being wrong about that because it seemed like once we got Joe Girardi, that wow, like I miss Gabe Kapler, like I miss having a guy who was at least able to think outside the box and maybe get a little jacked up, get a little animated, get a little, get these guys motivated or something, or care a little bit about what's going on. Now, even we wanted more fire out of him in certain instances. He didn't give it to us. We thought when we got Joe Girardi that that was going to be that you know we were going to get that fiery guy, coached the Yankees, won a World Series, been there, done that. We got a uh, watered down version 
of Joe Girardi. We got a uh, Hamptons version of Joe Girardi where he, he he been there, done that, and doesn't really have to explain to you what's going on. We got a Doc Rivers version of Joe Girardi where he's just going to sit there, he's going to look at his binder, and it is what it is with the outcome. You know, like, I, 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 well, what am I going to do? Get worried about this? Am I supposed to care if we win or lose? I get paid either way. Like, that. I, I'm, he didn't say that, but that's how it felt when I watched him watch these guys play. They constantly had this this aura or this this uh, this, this thinking of themselves, this, this high inflated thought of self-worth where they thought, oh, we're this, we're this talented baseball team. It's only a matter of time before we turn this around. It, that we're, we're not you know, we, we, we have plenty of time here. We're, 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 we're you know, we, we have all this payroll on here, and this is guys like Kyle Gibson, this is the best team I ever played on. It, it, but at the end of the day, you can say all of that dumb shit all you want. It doesn't matter unless you go out there and you play hard and you play to win and you play and you win games. It's not even playing or whatever. You have to fucking win. Okay? And you have to play with a little bit of urgency. That was the big problem in my mind. There was no urgency whatsoever. It seemed like that that trickled down from the top all the way to the bottom where it was well, well, we'll eventually figure this out. Well, guess what, guys? We're 50 games into the season, 60 games into the season, we have not figured it out. We are losing ground. We are sinking to the bottom of every standing, whether wild card or NL East, and we, and we are losing ground, and we are running out of time, and, and you're expecting this team to make up a lot of ground. They are going to have to get white hot at a certain point in order to catch these other teams. You cannot be the fourth highest payroll in baseball and be the, be the you know seven games behind or below 500, 21 and 28 at a certain point. That can't happen. That can't. And if I'm the ownership and whatnot, like it just seemed to me like a no no brainer decision because it, I, now I could even hear it if maybe he had a couple years left on his deal and they had just they had just extended him and, and oh okay uh, well you know we don't want to pay a guy to be you know to not coach and we're gonna have to fire him you know and then he's gonna have two years left on his deal with all, all yada 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 nonsense okay he was done at the end of the season he's done at the end of the season you don't have to pay him anymore what are you waiting for what do you have to lose you could just hire if you don't like rob thompson hire a new manager whoever they were going to bring in hire a new manager at the end of the year it just i mean i think they waited too long to do this to be honest but they did it <clears throat> They win that game on uh, they they win that game on Thursday night. Nick they call guys like Nick Maton up. This is also due to Segura breaking his finger, uh, attempting a bunt in that in that middle of the game of the series. He will have to have surgery. He will be out three months, and, and uh, who know, you know like uh, they say ten to twelve weeks. Who knows when we'll see Gene Segura again? Truly, so that I mean that's. That that's in in the grand scheme of things, it is crushing. It is heartbreaking because he's one of our better players. But at the end of the day, we sucked anyway. That that was my mentality. We sucked anyway. None of these guys on the field were really making much of a difference. Even though he was one of the better statistical players on the team, you got to keep you got the next man up. Honestly, that that that's that's where my thinking was. Looks like Schwarber is starting to actually turn it around and hit the ball. I mean, he didn't have a great game yesterday, but he had two home runs in the Friday night game. He had a home run in this Thursday night game. He's getting on base. We need more from him, you know. And obviously, Hoskins needs to be better. I, I've said that for months now. 
JT looking like he's starting to come alive a little bit more. We're getting more Bryson Stott out there, thank God, due to the manager managerial change. Maton's already hurt again, which sucks because he had three RBIs in that one game that he was able to start on uh, on that Thursday night. It, that that hurts. I mean, even Camargo's a little banged up now, but we'll we'll get into all that. So they fire. They they have an off day on that Thursday. I'm sorry. So it was the Wednesday night game where they won the the won that game. Nola gets blown up. It looks like they're going to be, you know, Dunzo, Schwarber hits the homer, Maton hits the homer, and they come back and they win a game where they really, that's a game where they would have laid down and lost multiple times, you know, this season where we've seen that before, where things just didn't go their way, whether, oh, you know, you finally get some runs and then your starter gets gets cooked. It's just kind of, it is what it is. It's, it already seemed like the calling up of a Maton and just get, getting some of the younger guys, Moniac, involved in this lineup was already starting to turn the tide a little bit before they even fired Girardi, to be honest. But Girardi would not play these young guys. I mean, Moniak came up with the bases loaded during the Giants series, and they took him out for O'Double. It just goes to show you they didn't, they had no confidence, no trust in him whatsoever. And for right or wrong, you can't be putting you can't be putting these young players out on the field and having no no confidence whatsoever in them. Because they will go to the plate and they will have no confidence in themselves, because they know they know that there is a they're looking over their shoulder constantly, worried about whether they're going to be taken out or just worried about all nonsense other than actually hitting the baseball and just playing as well as they possibly can. Bryce even made a comment uh, after the game talking about how the guys like Stott they need to play. These young guys need to play. They've played their whole lives every day. You can't expect them to. You can't play them once every three or four days. Get them in there and expect you're going to get good results. They 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 need to get used to the major league way of life. They need to be playing every day, and I, I like that the the you know so they like I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit, but they fire bright uh, they fire Joe Girardi on that Friday afternoon right before the game. Well, not right before the game, but fire him Friday morning. It's announced that Rob Thompson is going to take over for him. And we're going to go into this Angel series like that, okay? There was a feeling of relief and just happiness. And, I, you know, obviously it's kind of weird to be happy about someone losing their job. But if it's a guy like Joe Girardi who has plenty of money, it's not a situation where the guy's going to be homeless now. Then I, I feel a little less being, being uh, ha- or feel a little less bad about being happy about it because I am happy about it. He didn't do his job well enough. He even said it so much as in his uh, MLB radio interview that he did the day he was fired, which pretty nuts. But he and everyone else knew that he wasn't doing his job well enough. You cannot be upset about losing your job when you're not doing you're just not you didn't you didn't do a good enough job to keep your job. You have a high ass payroll, you have all these great talented players on your team and you're not winning games. You're not getting results. So therefore, there needs to be a change, and the change was made. Phillies win the first game of the Rob Thompson era, ten nothing. Leadoff homer from Schwarber, homers from Bryson Stott, Bryce Harper had two of them. Schwarber had two of them. Maton had a triple. You know, energy, 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 energy. And then Maton gets hurt. Obviously, he goes to the DL. Phillies come back the next night, seven two. Hand the Angels their tenth straight loss in a row. Phils load the bases up in the first inning. JT hits a double. Camargo knocks home knocks home two guys. Moniak even got a hit to, to score a run. Five nothing to start the game. 
Michael Lorenzen was the pitcher for the Angels. He kind of settled in after that, which was crazy. He, they had guys warming up in the first inning, and he was able to still go five and two thirds, only earned five, you know, five earned runs. Camargo gets another, uh, I believe, a, two, a RBI double or sing, RBI single, two RBI single later in the game. So Camargo's been a huge, <laughs> huge part of all of this. Now the Phils are going to get Didi back. It looks like, you know, unfortunately, Camargo gets hurt in the Sunday game. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, we'll see. We haven't really gotten any information on that yet, or he hasn't been put on the IL uh, necessarily. I don't know who they're going to go to in the event that he's hurt. I've heard names like Scott Kingery floated around, which is that's not a name you really want to hear when you're trying to turn the the tides around and trying to become a better baseball team than you have been. Because I mean, if you look at Scott Kingery's numbers since he had that one good season, whether it be in the majors or the minors, this guy is hitting. I, last time I checked, he was in the 180s in AAA this season. So that, I mean, not a large sample size, but enough of a sample size where I don't want nothing to do with him. I, I, w- I hope we can make a move or do something to get another competent, uh, you know, utility guy in here for, for the time being. And uh, I mean, it's just, that's not a guy I want to see whatsoever. I want nothing to do with him. And I can't be any more clear about that. Scott Kingery, stay away from my baseball team. Guys like Roman Quinn, the old guard, please stay the fuck away from my baseball team. I want nothing to do with it. So, yesterday the Phils, huge, huge comeback. Down 6-2 in the eighth inning. Angels put up a five spot in the fourth. Kyle Gibson gets hit around a little bit. Uh, it, It wasn't the best start for him. I believe he only went three innings. Pitching, starting pitching again has been great. All season long for the most part. And, you know, it really wasn't yesterday. But it's great to see, like like we said, when certain things don't go away. It, it, we, it, before, it seemed like every game that the Phils were in or supposed to win, everything had to go their way. They could Nothing could go wrong or otherwise this team would just com- completely crumble and melt down. We, we needed the starting pitching to go well. We needed to score so many runs. We needed to get the bullpen. We needed to have all these bullpen guys needed to have... Uh, flawless innings. It, it just nothing. Everything had to go right in order to win the game. Now you now you look at even in the Angels series. Now I know the 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 detractors and the 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 negative Nancys of the Philadelphia sports world are going to say, well, we played the Angels. They're the they're slumping right now. They're one of the coldest baseball teams in all of Major League Baseball. The coldest baseball team in all of Major League Baseball. You know, it's not that impressive. Let's see them do it against this team or that team. And I understand that a little bit. You can't play the slumping angels every single game. But we weren't exactly, you know, top of the world either. Okay, so I don't care who we're playing against. We need to win baseball games against whoever we're playing. No one is sitting here saying, oh, we're going to win the World Series now. Oh, we are, no doubt. Here come playoffs. Here we come. We just have life again. We have energy, we have enthusiasm, we have urgency, we have all of those words that I've been clamoring for on this podcast for months on end. We finally feel good. We finally feel a little bit of goodness about this baseball team that we were so excited about in April, where I did these podcasts saying, God damn, I'm so, like, this is the first time since like 2008, feels like 08, feel, felt like we finally had a team where we could be like, damn, baseball's going to be fun this summer. And for a while now, in these last two months, it's been brutal. It has been awful. You couldn't even really watch most of these games. You you didn't want it. You want nothing to do with it. Keep this shit off. Keep it away from me. 
because it's goddamn depressing. Now, you uh, you feel something. You feel good. You you don't feel that negativity when you turn on Comcast Sportsnet or NBC Sports Philadelphia, whatever the channel is, or you turn on WIP to listen to the game. You're actually looking forward to it each night now, and that that's 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 the. That's what baseball season is all about. That's what sports and watching your team is all about. It's just, you know, you, you can't win the World Series every year. You can't make the play, all that thing. But you just want to feel good about what's going on. You don't want to feel this apathy, this negativity surrounding your team on a night-in and night-out basis where you're just you're miserable watching your favorite teams that have brought you so much joy and happiness throughout your whole life. It, it, it shit's awful. It, it's there's not there's truly nothing worse. And I can tell you a couple times in my life where I've watched teams and I've been basically rooting against them, where I'm just like fuck this, this is awful. I, I like they, they, this team stinks. I hate it. Now that these Phillies this pa- these past couple months where they had Joe Girardi, I was almost rooting against them because I wanted Joe Girardi to be fired because I just felt like he was doing nothing for this team and not helping us whatsoever. Chip Kelly's Eagles. Down towards the end, and I and there'll be people out there I'll never root against my team. And I wasn't sitting there wearing a Chargers jersey or or what, whoever we were playing, but I didn't feel that jo- like that happiness or that excitement for these games where I was rooting for our team to win because I knew ultimately there was no point in doing it because this guy was not the guy. He was not going to get it done. I want him out of here. So the best way to get it done is to have him blow up, get embarrassed, and on national TV and maybe this ownership group or whoever's making the decisions will go, yeah, we got to get him the fuck out of here. And and sometimes it's happened. And I honestly at the point with our, with this Sixers team where it's almost like that now where I, I am – so apathetic towards what's going on in, in, in the you know in, in that in the Sixers organization that I have no faith whatsoever. I mean, even the fly, the Flyers don't even have to root against them. They they root against themselves. They go out there and embarrass themselves on a night in night out basis. You watch the NHL playoffs; it, it's a goddamn disgrace compared to. I mean, we we are like a pee wee hockey team compared to what what's going on in, in these playoffs. And you realize that even with the NBA. How good these this Celtics and this this Warrior series, even the Heat, the, how physical the Heat and Celtics series was compared to the soft brand of basketball that the Philadelphia 76ers play. Back to where we were at before, though. Philadelphia Phillies. Let's get back to the center. Rant is over. Phils win yesterday's game in dramatic fashion. Base is loaded. Eighth inning. Game on the line. <laughs> and Bryce Harper comes up huge. Big moment right here. Fans can sense it. Yeah, baby. Fly ball to deep right field. This game is tied in a long way. Into the second deck, Bryce Harper. He's just lifted the lid off the yard. It's a 6-6 game. Listen to the sound of of that ball just exploding off the bat. Tie game. Bryce Harper hits one up into the double decks and loses his mind going around first base. Even even before, as soon as he hit that ball, he turned to the dugout, starts pumping his fist. Let's fucking go. That that I mean, we we when you root for a team and, and you love these athletes and, and just these organizations and your city and everything like that, you want players that are are as into the game as you are and you're not even really involved in it you know you know what i mean like 
These guys are getting paid. This is their lives every single day. They obviously care, but some people don't really show it. They don't. They just kind of go about their business and they they play a certain way and they don't really show much emotion. And I, I've always gravitated towards and love the players who are or are emotional kind of guys. I mean, not to really stray off too far, but like even a guy like Draymond, I don't. Like, he pisses me off because he's not on my team. I don't like him. But I imagine if Draymond Green played for the Sixers, I would love him because he plays with his heart on his sleeve. He's always in the action. He He's a great teammate. He's just a kind of guy you, like, you ride or die with. You want him on your side. That's what Bryce Harper's been. Truly, that that is what he... That, that that's what he's been since he's been here. He it just he wears his heart on his sleeve. He is a high energy, high emotion guy. Who I mean, you see how much it means to him when he hits these home runs, and he loves being here. That that's the thing that I I can't I, I've actually I guess I underestimated. I can't believe how much he has embraced this city, the culture, and just the energy. And he embodies the the way he plays is just embodies the city of Philadelphia. I mean, he's hurt right now. He's got a a torn ligament in his elbow, and he just continues to go out there every day, and he's putting up better numbers than he had during his MVP season. So, the Phils this week. Uh, sorry, not to not uh, not to get off the end of this game. They bring in Knable, who has been uh, shaky to say the least. He gives up a run. So the Phils are down seven six going into the ninth. You're instantly thinking, well, fuck, you know, there there goes that all that momentum, energy, and just jubilation gets thrown out the window because we couldn't we couldn't close the door and get it at least to the ninth and give ourselves a chance to score one run win this game and walk it off but get out of there only giving up one run we come up in the, ne- the next inning JT hits a nuke right at the shortstop out all right you know you're like oh shit this this shit it's of course it's not going to go our way one out then our boy Alec Bohm comes up who almost killed himself uh, fighting with a baseball bat and and the back the bat holder thing on I believe Friday night he was, he was in a, bit, a little bit of a slump and was slamming his bat and cut his neck which was fucking was just crazy but I you are you're a hypocrite out there if you've ever thrown something or hit just punched something with you weren't supposed to it and you fucking bruise your hand or whatever you've done and you're just like ah shit like. I think we've all, in frustration over whatever, just hit something and been like, ow, that was stupid. I should not have done that. All right? So I'm not going to hate on Alec Boom that much. He ropes one down the line, and he – at the time, I was like, damn, he should have got the second. But if he gets thrown out, the game's over right there. So I'm not going to hate on him too much. Oduble steps up, hits a hits a little like rinky-dink fly ball, two outs, guy on first. Things are still looking down. It is not looking good. So now Didi comes in after Camargo got injured in the eighth inning trying to round first base. Uh, Didi's coming straight off the DL. He he was not really available, only an emergency situation. And, of course, that emergency presented itself. He steps up and gets a single right over the shortstop's head. Just, just clutch. That's what Didi Gregorius is. Uh, he's not a guy that I, that I necessarily love or want to play every single day, but he is a guy who just he's just a consummate professional he gets it done and he like i i would it's crazy when he stepped up to the plate i was like damn if anybody could do what do what needs to be done here and coming straight off the dl and hasn't really seen live live pitching live at bats in a, in a game like situation in weeks 
I'll take Didi Gregorius in this situation. And Didi gets the single at the left center. Boom, the second. So it's first and second. They change the pitcher. They don't want Iglesias in to pitch the stat. They bring in a, uh, a Jimmy Hergit, which I had never seen before. Kind of threw a little sidearm. Gets to a 3-2 count. And Bryson Stott hits a absolute missile in the right in the right field. Not 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 to the same effect that uh, Bryce Harper did, but let's just say he got all of it. Good point, John. Letters go. Three two is hit in the air, right field. It's out beautifully. It is over. Three run home run for Bryson Stott. The prayers have been answered. The Phillies have won it here in the bottom of the ninth inning. They win it nine to seven. The Vegas connection has. And that concluded what was an absolutely incredible weekend down at the ballpark for the Phils, for all of us who, like I said, I, I've gone through it here on this podcast. How just how meaningful this series and, and just the bounce back of the Phils. Now, who knows whether that carries on into this Brewer series? The Phils are in Milwaukee this week. Before coming back home for three with the Diamondbacks, who aren't exactly you know the greatest team in the world, they're kind of on our level. Uh, the Brewers are a little you know they're the third, they're number one in the uh, NL Central, and then we have the Marlins, who are definitely a beatable squad. Nationals, so it's going to start lightening up here uh, a little bit as we move on towards into the depths of the summer. And it, you know, things are looking up. The Phils have not exactly survived unscathed through this tough beginning part of the schedule. But I, in my mind, things are looking in a positive direction due to the fact that this team has not nearly played near to or uh, to their potential. Uh, the the lineup, obviously, the bullpen has been uh, shoddy to say the least. Uh, guys like Canable, I mentioned all the reasons. You know, Castellanos down like around 240 now. Hoskins, all of these guys, Real Muto, who have not played well. The, the, the law of averages and just the, the odds are that these guys are going to eventually turn around. They're too talented. They're too good of baseball players for this to persist for a 162-game season. Things are going to turn around, and it looks like for some of these guys, even Schwarber, who I didn't mention because he's kind of – started to turn it around a little bit. Let's see if they can keep this going, and let's see if the Phils can keep this uh, sort of streak alive and this momentum alive into Milwaukee, the Diamondback series, and so on and so forth. So there's our Phils alive and well uh, with a beating heart and full hearts, full mind, whatever the fuck you guys want to use uh, for your motivational speeches. Let's just say the Phils are alive, and we have Rob Thompson in the captain's chair, steering this boat in the right direction, finally. I feel good. So th- there's that. Not much going on in the sports world, like I mentioned. The, the, uh, quickly, the Avalanche are going to the Stanley Cup final, sweeping the Oilers, who just f- couldn't get out of their own way, especially in the game last night. But they just couldn't. They just didn't have enough. The Avalanche are a good team, and they're they're going to be tough to beat for whoever comes out of the, uh, comes out of this uh, Eastern Conference with the uh, Lightning and the Rangers. The Ra- that's going to be a gr- I, I feel like that series is nowhere near over. So it, it could come back to bite them because hockey's such a momentum and such a timing sort of sport. If that makes sense, because it's just like sometimes when these guys, I mean, the rest is always good for guys this time of year, but sometimes they'll be out of sync a little bit of a little rust. 
by the time the Stanley Cup rolls around, but I don't know if that'll exactly affect the Avalanche due to the fact that they just sweep everyone and they've just been far and away better than their competition out here uh, in the Western Conference. Swept the Predators, swept the Oilers, swept the Oilers. The only team that's given them somewhat of a little bit of a competition has been the Blues. And I mean, I'll tell you what though, in the East, I mean, you have the two-time reigning Stanley Cup champions in the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then you have the New York Rangers who have Igor Shosturkin, who's if you just watch these games, it just seems like that guy has such a, a veil of like invincibility. And it's near. You nearly have to be perfect to get a goal against him, or you have to get extremely lucky. So scoring multiple goals on a guy like that is just seems impossible. And even down the other end, uh, Vasilevsky is not, no slouch in himself. So it's just like a great goaltending matchup uh, in the East, and I feel like that series is just going to go may, maybe six or seven uh, if things keep trending in that direction. But we're ro- rolling into the end of the winter sports here. Hockey's almost done. They're they're entering their final, and we got the NBA Finals going on right now. We're two games into the NBA Finals, one-one series. Boston takes the first game off of a Horford twenty-six point performance, and they kind of just the Warriors melt down a little bit in the in the fourth, and not even as much meltdown as it was a Celtics make their first seven threes of the fourth quarter and just kind of run away from them, uh, and kind of pull a Warriors on the Warriors. And the Warriors respond in Game 2 with uh, a, a dominant performance, especially in that second half. Jordan Poole getting hot. Steph Curry doing his thing. Klay Thompson's been pretty bad in these uh, first couple of games, especially in Game 2. And now the series heads back to Boston for Game 3. I still uh, I picked Warriors in 6 uh, before the series, and uh, I'm sticking with that at the time at this moment. I don't. I think Boston's a good team, but they just don't have the firepower that I really believe to sustain a seven-game series and beat the Warriors four times out of seven. I don't. I just don't believe that they're they're going to be able to do that. Horford's going to get. You know, he's going to run down. He's going to run out of gas at some point. He does not have twenty-six points in him every night. You you know that. That's without question. So we'll see how this series progresses and how it keeps going on. But you're going to need more from Clay Thompson. You imagine you won't, you, Clay Thompson won't be as bad as he's been. Draymond Green continues to get away with murder in every series and every game uh, of this playoffs. He just, he plays to a point where he just puts the refs in awful positions throughout games. And he basically is going to make them be the bad guy if they throw him out when he is on the line the entire game. Uh, of being ejected or not, you know, like it, it's just he puts them in a, in a horrendous posi- uh, position, and it's kind of in, in the same vein as he did in that 2016 finals when he was kicking LeBron in his sack and technical after technical and got himself suspended for Game Six, which ultimately you, you can look back and, and say it may have cost them that that title and you know caused a sequence of events that involved Kevin Durant going to the Warriors and yada yada yada, but. Right now, I mean, I, like I, I just talked about Draymond. He is, like I said, he's a great play. He's a great player to have on your team. He is exactly the kind of guy you want to play with and go to war with. But from the outside looking in, it's so annoying, and just it just I hate that the NBA and the refs allow him to get away with stuff that they would never allow other players to get away with. It's very very frustrating, but. 
It is what it is, I guess. Uh, Warriors, you know, I mean, you're going to need more from Wiggins and guys like that. But if they're able to play defense and do their do their part, then uh, you know you're not exactly you're not going to get upset over it necessarily. But Celtics are a deep team. They're they're very deep, but the, like I said, their firepower is not going to be enough to hang with the Warriors in a seven game series. That's just where I'm at right now. And that is where I'll be, uh, especially through Wednesday night. And maybe it, maybe my mind will change by Wednesday or Friday night. Shout out to like the second or third voice crack of this podcast. But that's it for the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney. Thank you again for joining me. I'll be back after this Brewer series. I, I am going to be back in on the fills following their every step and movement and talking about them uh, until there the the dirt has been put on the coffin and that is that because for these last few months I had no energy or motivation to talk about a team that's dead uh, what how many times can you say a team sucks before it's just like okay this is redundant how many times can we do this over and over again they stink they stink they stink they stink like okay all right yeah oh, the, this guy's not hitting the ball oh like yeah I obviously like I came on this podcast every week and would talk to you about how Hoskins is horrible and Schwarber's striking out all the time and and just week after week of the same stuff a Harper's elbow I mean everything has gone wrong so far so hopefully the momentum changes around we have something to talk about because right now in the sports world, it's kind of the slower part of the schedule uh, in regards to just what we have going on. We only have at this point, it's pretty much just baseball uh, after these finals and the and the end of the Stanley Cup. Because I'll be honest with you, folks, at this point of the year, this is the, like the only time I pretty much like watching hockey. That's not the Flyers is when it's at this high, extremely high level. And these are the two, three, four best teams in the world going at it. And it's just, you can just see the difference in how good these teams are as opposed to your team that you watch uh, night in and night out. And I'll tell you what, I didn't even watch the Flyers night in and night out this year. Uh, Towards uh, December, I was like, oh, okay, this shit is over, over. And I probably didn't even make it that long, but... Hopefully, uh, better days are ahead. They have a high draft pick, whatnot. But enjoy the rest of the winter sports playoffs. Uh, enjoy the fills. Enjoy, just enjoy, enjoy life, baby. So, hot take, hot box. Thank you for joining me.